You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Hey, Liam, I've got a pitch for you. Go for it. I want to make a sequel to the Planet of the Apes. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick up right where the first movie left off, and we're going to follow the adventures of Astronaut Taylor, and then we're going to stop doing that and introduce a new character and do the whole first movie over again. Uh, I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the show where we peel back the rubber face masks of movies and gawk at all their radiated flaws. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Greg Beaver. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. And today we are going to notarize Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Dun, dun, dun. Uh... Based on the trailer, I thought I was going to have a, wheel, a real wild ride, and, I, and it, and it kind of was a wild ride towards the end. But I, mean, I, got, I don't think I got everything I wanted out of it. What do you guys? Did you, what was your experience watching it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a plotting. Plotting feels like the word I want to use. <laughs> yeah, it's got that 1970s era pacing. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you said that you were expecting it to take you on a wild ride, and I was also expecting that, and it did take me on a ride, just not the ride I wanted to go on. <laughs> yeah. Took me on an entirely different ride than I was hoping for. Well, it took me a ride that I was I was I've been on before for the, yeah. the first half of it, <laughs> and then and then it got weird, and I was like, oh, this is all the stuff I was hoping for. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, I I took that first ride uh, recently. I actually watched uh, the Planet of the Apes before uh, watching this one, so I was I, it was fresh in my mind, uh, and uh, more or less, yeah, having to sit through the 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 same movie, you know, for the first two acts of this movie. Um, really, <laughs> yeah, unnecessary. Yeah, it takes that, it takes that, um, like that 1980s sequel-itis, um, to the next level. You know, like those 80s films when they would make the sequel, they would, they would literally just make the, the movie all over again, specifically with like action movies. It would, they would, <laughs> it'd be the, 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 only the slightest difference, but they are essentially the same movie as the first one. And this one, this one feels like that, except that, like it takes a, a, just a dramatic turn towards the end. And also, I, I don't know, like, this movie might be, <laughs> I'm going to do the thing in my changes that I always do, but I feel like this movie, it will be the most justified <laughs> of, of all the times that I eliminate the protagonist. Amazing. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's perfectly fair. But also us getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Yeah, a little bit. We should definitely set up this film just in case anyone isn't uh, entirely familiar with Beneath the Planet of the Apes. It is, of course, the 1970 sequel to Planet of the Apes from 1968, uh, the Charlton Heston film, uh, famous for the you know uh, line, it's like, you damn dirty apes, get your hands off me, and the, the you know, you, you, it was Earth all along, he's on his knees. In front of the Statue of Liberty, this is this you is the blew immediate... it up, you right, maniacs. That's... Uh, spoilers, spoiler <laughs> yeah. alert. Yeah, um, and yeah, this takes place uh, immediately after that moment. Uh, uh, it, Charlton Heston does appear in this film, uh, but it is mostly follows the adventure. Uh, uh, 
the main characters played by uh, James Francius, uh, Kim Taylor, Maurice Evans, and uh, Linda Harrison, also in this film. Uh, directed by a cat named Paul Den, who also... Sorry, uh, directed by Ted Post, uh, screenplay by Paul Den. So, I don't know if those names mean anything to you. I'm not up on my uh, 1970s uh, screenwriters for the most part, but credit where credit mm. is due. Yeah, afraid not. There's a, there's a bit of a black hole in my... Aside from <laughs> aside from the, 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 you know, the big ones of the 1970s, I, I, don't, I haven't watched a ton. But yeah, Tra- uh, Charlton Heston is in this. Uh, he is in the very beginning and then uh, right at the end, uh, according to IMDb, altogether has approximately 18 minutes of screen time. <laughs> and that Just was enough because to he- earn that paycheck. Yeah, it's mostly earned the picture. He, he specifically uh, said it had to be shot within two weeks. And so that's why they were like, well, why don't we have his character show up at the beginning, show up at the end? It's like he was there the whole movie. Brilliant. Hey, Chuck what, has got to eat. <laughs> uh, are you guys more familiar with the rebooted Planet of the Apes than the classic one? Yeah, very much so. Um, I, I, I've, I watched the original Planet of the Apes well before the, uh, the new series. Um, by sorry, what was who's the director of the uh, the new series? I like him. I just can't remember his name now. Uh, but uh, he's doing Batman. He's directing Batman. Matt Reeves, that's the one. Uh, but I I don't have an affinity for the series. Um, uh, I didn't care after watching Planet of the Apes. I didn't care to watch the rest of them. I got it. You know what I mean? Like, but I like I did I did watch all of the uh, the Matt Reeves trilogy, and I thought that was that was quite good. I'm actually much more familiar with the uh, with the original ones. Uh, my parents showed them to me when I was a kid, so I had seen Planet of the Apes, and I had seen I I've seen this at some point in my life. I only remember the set with the with the nuke, um, but like I'm pretty sure my parents like showed this to me when I was like nine, uh, <laughs> and so and then I saw the Tim Burton ones, and I have seen none of the Matt Reeves ones. So yeah, I'm a little. I'm kind of in the middle because I've seen some of the new stuff. I've seen some of the old stuff, but I haven't seen all of either of them. Just like bits and pieces here and there. So I'm probably more familiar with the classic stuff, though, I'd say. And uh, having rewatched the Planet of the Apes, it's it's great. It's, it's It holds up. It's a fine movie to watch. It's, uh, it's, it's a, a good, reasonably paced, enjoyable old sci-fi movie. Did you find I I found that the first Planet of the Apes was was, was uh, very slow in pacing, not really to its detriment. You know, it yeah. just takes its time a little bit. Did you did you find watching them back to back that uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes was a faster paced movie or a slower paced movie? Uh, it was uh, a little bit faster paced, but it was also like it, it, it was the pace isn't so much the issue. It's it's the like doling out of surprises. Mm. Um, that the first one does really well, that this one just, te- you know, doesn't do well and would have a hard time succeeding anyway. Uh, to, no, to it's got to basically compress the, the entire first movie in the second act. So yeah, there's no time. Well, that's it. actually one of my fixes. I don't, I don't think it does. I don't, you know, uh, I think, I think there's, there's take this premise and, and, and break it away a bit from. Uh, the 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 original one, but uh, perhaps we should uh, uh, cut to the uh, trailer, let it speak for itself a bit before we really cut into its uh, nuts and bolts. A planet where apes evolved from men? There's got to be an answer. Don't look for it, Taylor. You may not like what you find. Damn you! <laughs> 
The year, 3,955. Charlton Heston as Taylor, a 20th century astronaut, space-wrecked in the incredible future. Linda Harrison as Nova, a savage beauty from the enslaved and voiceless human race. They are marked for target practice. James Franciscus as astronaut Brent on a reckless mission to rescue Taylor. Face the terrifying dangers of the Forbidden Zone with them. Engulfing you in the shattering experiences that await beneath the planet of the apes. Well, there's an intelligence working in this place. They know we're here. We are determined to know what the apes want. War or peace? The superintelligent mutants. Are they human or something else? In their church, an unspeakable god. Doomsday bomb. In civilization's final battle to answer the ultimate question, can a planet long endure half human and half ape? Is it the beginning or the end? Tall, blonde U.S. astronaut Taylor unknowingly rocketed himself through a time tunnel, crash-landed on a planet ruled by intelligent apes, and met a savage human woman named Nova. He soon discovered the ape planet was actually the Earth 2,000 years in the future, forcing him to wander the Forbidden Zone in search of answers, trapped in a world of colossal madness. Then he falls through a wall. Now meet Brent. He's also tall. He's also blonde, he's also an astronaut, and wouldn't you know it, he flew himself through the same doggone time tunnel, crashed on the same ape planet, and met the same savage human woman. Some would call that coincidence. Some would call that destiny. I call it hack writing. But no matter, Brent is off in search of his twin. He quickly learns of a war between the apes and the last intelligent humans who dwell beneath the Earth's surface, and that the two sides are headed for mutually assured destruction. Then that happens. The end. Yeah. That's uh, a good <laughs> Before I begin, I do want to say I've realized uh, recently uh, that I've been really mixing my metaphors on this show. I, I try to just like segue in, in in an attempt to segue things smoothly a couple times. I've bungled it. So I just want to not let it pass that I did say cut into the nuts and bolts before we threw to the trailer. Uh, um, I don't know what that means or is, but I just, I didn't, I didn't want anyone to be like, are they going to let that slide? I won't. I won't let it slide. We were all talking about it while the trailer was going on. It's, yeah. it's, yeah, it needed to be addressed. I, uh, it's hard to know where to start with this film, to be honest with you. You could almost because- watch this film as the first Planet of the Apes movie that you're introduced to, because it recaps yeah. literally everything that you would have missed from the last one. Yeah, Brent. Brent goes through pretty much the same thing, and you explaining like yeah. what uh, what you know Charlton Heston was demanding and stuff like that explains a lot about how this movie happened. And and uh, the obvious fix, I think, is just like just don't listen to Charlton Heston or don't cast him or recast his character or something. Well, it was like also that. because the budget got half. This the first movie was a wild success, and they're like, you know how we should follow up this wild success? Do it on a shoestring and milk it for whatever you know. Like, yeah, it was it was made with half the budget, and they couldn't get half the people they wanted involved with it. Uh, the Wikipedia article on it is far more interesting than the Wikipedia article on um, the first one. <laughs> like, it's it's <laughs> it's just it seems like a real uh, bungled job all the way through. Arguably, it might be more interesting than the movie itself. Yeah. (laughs) 
I <laughs> there were a couple of moments that were that were filled with bad laughs. You know, like mm-hmm. the 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 beeps when they're when the future humans, the last remaining intelligent humans, are oh, yeah. communicating. They nod. With the astronaut. Iron <laughs> 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 and I had a good time just being like me 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 me. <laughs> just just, but it was just one. It was just this like every like forty five seconds. <laughs> I uh, like I. It was it was such a deviation from the first film in the sense that um, the first film had a kind of grounded feel to it for the most part. I think you know there wasn't there wasn't a lot of like fantasy elements to it or or like really really wild sci fi aside from the aside from the premise itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was no like there was no illusionists or magicians or or telepaths or anything like that that I recall from the first film. So like in in a way like this feels like too much of a stretch. Well, they also don't in any way um hint at the existence of the subterranean humans in the first movie. So this is very much kind of like retconning in a new enemy. Yeah. I mean, which could be interesting exploring you know what what happened to you know it's another facet of what happened to the to to humans after they you know they destroyed themselves and stuff and like i i i don't i don't certainly don't blame them for trying to explore that aspect of it but i just don't i just don't think we needed to be completely reintroduced to the planet of the apes from the start in order to that's do my it. big fix yeah that was what that's gonna my note is like don't he doesn't need to go and see apes in in my fix and and obviously we're a little ways away from that but that's really the the, i think the heart of it um just have him meet the psychic human mutant guys first you know that's just yeah it's such a roundabout way of getting to it and i and i think because because taylor is a part of this and he and he he really 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 doesn't need to be and that was you know my my plot summary is basically addressing that entirely where they, they couldn't get charlton heston for the whole movie so they went and they cast like slightly better looking Charlton Heston and just mm-hmm. and just be like, well, we'll just do this then. Like, like, and they're, they're essentially the same character. Like there's no, there's no real difference between them. They're like, yep. you know, they don't have any character traits that, that, you know, differentiate themselves from each other. And, and that when they, when they meet, uh, there's, there's nothing, there's no conflict there and there's no like, um, difference in ideologies or goals or anything like that, and there's just it's just not interesting. Well, it's not mm-hmm. only that. The moment that they meet, like Chuck Heston is in effectively the cold open of this movie, and then Brent pretty much takes over from there uh, as the protagonist right up until he meets Taylor, and then the movie's focused back on Taylor again, and Brent just becomes like a background character. Yeah, and he dies like a chump too. Yes, he sure does. And then <laughs> everyone does, uh, yes. which is like, wow, that was abrupt and terrible. Uh, uh, Taylor dying was also one of Charlton Heston's demands. Yeah, he didn't want to be in anymore. I don't yeah. really blame him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the record, uh, I don't care what Chuck Heston was demanding for this movie because uh, we're fixing it with the assumption that we can do whatever we want. <laughs> Oh, yeah. sure. No, I just think it's a funny piece of trivia. I'm not no, trying to be like... And he was definitely whatever. at the height of his star power at that point. So, yeah, uh, yeah he he could he could make whatever demands he wanted. And I'm sure that the 
uh, studio was happy to do whatever he was asking in order to keep him in the movie so yeah. they could use his star power. But we don't have to oblige him at all because he's dead and who cares? I'm going to make, you know, in my, in my cut, he's going to wear a funny feather boa through the whole thing. Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> who's going to stop me? Because who's going to stop me, Cheryl Meston? <laughs> Come at well, me. We've, we've had a lot of, uh, a lot of really kind of negative things to say about the movie so far. Um, so why don't we kind of change gears a little? What are some of the stuff? Uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. What are some of the things that you guys enjoyed about the movie and would like to keep? Hmm. Yes, that's tough. Um, <laughs> yeah, every everything that I would say I like about it is just things from the first movie that are carried over. Like uh, I, <laughs> I would keep, I would keep the apes. You know, the costumes are good. Doctor Zayas is a good character. <laughs> yeah, you know the the thing about the costumes is that they actually even almost kind of hold up. Like they're definitely kind of primitive compared to today's like prosthetic technology and uh, and just makeup technology. And certainly Anita, who's got some experience with stage makeup, was kind of critical about some of the mask work, but overall it's still pretty decent. Yeah, they the mouths have a little bit of trouble, but outside of that, they're in they're it's in pretty good shape. Um I I like the moment where Dr. Zayas realizes that um the fire and the the uh, apes being upside down crucified were were fake and they were illusions, and then he rides into it. I thought that was kind of cool. I, yeah. I didn't. I I like. Ideally, I w- I wouldn't introduce any sort of like weird fantasy elements into it, but um, you know, I don't want to completely rewrite the room movie from scratch. So I'll, I'll say that like the 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 humans and their and their weird religion and their weird powers is is something that I was kind of interested learning more about. I don't know if we got enough time with it, but uh, yeah, that's to kind of wade into the changes. Uh, that's one of my changes is to spend more time with the humans and getting to know them. Yeah, because they they called it a city, and I don't I don't know that we ever got a a big sense of like I don't know. I just kind of wanted to see how they lived and how many people there were and stuff. They talked about like um, there being children around, but I don't think we, I don't think we saw them. Did we? Nope. Yeah, only briefly in like a weird vision of them playing like a ring around the rosy type thing. in one of those oh, okay. weird floating. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. When they're doing was, like yeah. their mental protections or whatever it yeah. was. Yeah. I, and I, I guess like it, uh, like I didn't mind that stuff. I just, I guess I wanted to, um, more information about, about those humans to get a, get a sense of like, you know, what are their powers? And, well, I've got good news and, for and you, like Brent. and like what you know what are the limitations of those powers? And so, well, well, maybe they um, maybe I'm talking out of my ass here. They did kind of set that up, okay, but yeah, I don't no, know. I've just, uh, I've got my in in my mind. I've got us spending more time with the uh, with the subterranean culture. Yeah, that's a that's a big one for me too. Um, and then from there, perhaps we can even explore some themes or ideas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think um I I don't I don't mind the whole um bomb plot element to it the the idea like the idea that like humans are still stupidly worshipping the thing that destroyed them I think is actually kind of um uh, interesting you know it's like a, it's got a good irony to it and and uh and kind of a there's a you know it's a dark kind of message about humanity which I you know 
in these in these troubled times in the world, mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a theme that still rings true. Yep. Yeah, uh, bunk <laughs> radiation bunker call with a real big mood lately. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, what about stuff that we might like to cut? Then I think I think I'm probably not the only one who's going to say we need to cut either Brent or Taylor. And I mean, if we're going to be making a direct sequel to the original Planet of the Apes, it's got to be Brent. Brent's got to go. We got to stick with Taylor through the movie. Yeah. I mean, recast Charlton Heston if you have to, but yeah, it should be should be Taylor's movie. Yeah, uh, I I agree to that. Uh, I am going to. I'm not going to disagree. I think that is a, a big and obvious uh, cut. Uh, but I I actually would keep a second perspective uh, astronaut character uh, for for my fix. So I would I would actually keep. Uh, in my version, we can keep Brent, uh, just sort of uh, how they meet, when they meet. And also, did he say he was on a rescue mission? He does kind of suggest that at one point, yeah. Yeah, they did talk about them following Taylor's trajectory here, whatever. Yeah, I kind of um, just wish they had, like, I don't know why they would have to go rescue him. I feel like they could have just been like, hey, there was another guy in the ship that crashed or there's another there was actually it was a whole fleet of them you know what in the first movie we never told you there was a fleet of these spaceships that Charlton Heston was on but there's a you know just just the fact that he went to rescue him seems like such a flimsy premise I would I would cut that for sure uh just just have it be he was part of the same expedition I I might cut Nova out just because she's um a load well, I don't. Well, I don't necessarily want to. It seems dastardly to to cut the only, just about the only woman in the film. But like, she doesn't do anything. Like no, she's, she's she seems like she's only there to just walk around in a in a in a skimpy tan leather yeah, she suit has, or whatever. She has literally no agency. She uh, goes where she is taken. She does what yeah. she is told. If she understands. <laughs> what she's being told to do it's kind of gross and yeah. uh she yeah, needs the whole, to like sort of like there's like kind of like some romantic undertones to it and like that's gross because that's like basically like you know he's like charlton heston is basically in love with like a, a person with the intelligence of like an animal or something like that and it's or like, at the very most a child yeah, uh yeah, yeah, yeah no yeah. it's real gross she needs to either have agency and capability or not be there i agree there's a yeah there's a scene right where spoiler alert but right where she dies like seconds before she dies there are uh one of the guys has a spiked club and there are two spiked clubs hanging on the wall and the other one of the guy i forget which one's which but the other one grabs a spike club for himself and then i'm like oh and then they'll hand that third one to her and then he just grabs her and pushes her behind him. I'm like, there's one on the wall. Give it to her. <laughs> like, especially because she is like a, a you know, um, sort of caveman lady. I'm like, Spike's Club is her game. This is yeah. where she's going <laughs> to yeah, shine. Yeah. She might not have died in that scene. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, it's real gross. Um, <laughs> and uh, she, I don't know that she necessarily needs to be cut, but her character needs to be changed. And the only unfortunate kind of asterisk to that is that for her character to be changed in this movie it has to be retroactively changed in the first movie how about um cutting the sort of casual reference to, dom- to domestic violence um 
Yeah. Oh yeah. He's that's like, he's <laughs> Cornelius that's is gonna smack around Zira. <laughs> like, yeah. Just one of these day days, Zira. Bam, zoom, straight to the fifth moon of. <laughs> I guess it's the Earth. No, it is the moon. It's the yeah. It's the same moon. Yeah. It's uh, she, and she's like during the like they're they're doing it to sort of like pretend and like to uh, as subterfuge. So like she's not actually being beaten by Cornelius but like it's still like pretty gross the way it's handled and like and like Dr. Zayas doesn't react to like hey you should you should not do that no in fact he makes a glib he makes a glib joke later on about how she might get another smack if she doesn't smarten up it's real terrible I think Cornelius says that doesn't he he said I'll 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 smack her again or whatever if she yeah when he actually to to be fair when he says I'll smack her again um uh Zayas is like let there be no violence this day but like whatever (laughs) (laughs) I think like that scene scene could have worked I think in a modern context if uh if uh if what sorry what's the what's the uh, woman ape's name I forget Zira Zira, exactly. if Zira had had suggested that he hit her, and then he was just like had to play it as like, you know, he's appalled that she said that, uh, but he's got to <laughs> try and play it straight just because he's got to keep up the lie kind of thing like that. Like at like least it was the one thing more... she could think of off the top of her head, and he's like, I would never. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then he, you know, then he's got he's, he's looking, by, you know, whenever Doctor Zayas is not looking, Cornelius he's like is like, what the fuck are we doing, right? <laughs> kind of that kind of thing or whatever. I you know I mean the it, it it may not soften it that much but at least it would have played out a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, it really does seem like a lot more more cuts than keeps. It's yeah, yeah. It's not a great movie, and I like, <laughs> and we've watched worse stuff. Like we've watched yeah. we've watched things that are a lot um, more boring than this one. Like I, mm-hmm. I I don't I don't think I I think there was only one time where I was like wanting to pick up my phone uh, uh but for the most part i was you know reasonably engaged with the with the movie it did I, it especially once we got to finally beneath the planet of the apes uh it was presenting a compelling enough mystery that i was curious where it was going to go even if i wasn't satisfied by the ending oh speaking of cuts the ending um <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah uh but uh yeah so it, it, we, i agree it held my attention even if it was like oh boy like this is i don't know where this is going can we talk about the the poochie-esque nature of the ending for a bit <laughs> yeah because it really felt to me like okay so let's just explain how the movie ends so the the apes and the last remaining intelligent humans are 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 fighting it out i i believe most of the intelligent humans have have um committed suicide at that point or or just um, been killed the apes are yeah. just it's it's a one-sided fight the apes are slaughtering them yeah and uh uh taylor and brent appear to be attempting to stop the 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 bomb right they're trying yep. to stop it right yeah yeah and uh in the ensuing fight um uh brent gets shot like a million times in the face um uh taylor gets shot as well and then nova's in, already dead at that point nova nova's already dead and and in a last ditch effort to uh really stick it to the apes Charlton Heston just decides to launch this nuclear bomb that the intelligent humans had been worshiping. Yeah, and it's been uh, and this previously is a, this established. This bomb is a 
Yeah, this bomb is apparently uh, like a, a, a extinction level event type bomb. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is the bomb to end all bombs, and it destroys the planet. Well, it it doesn't actually even destroy the he, it hits it. The screen goes black, and then it ends with the like the weirdest quote, and I have it in front of me here. So if I may, just black screen. Heston's just launched a nuke that will wipe out Earth thir- in the year three thousand thirty-three. Uh in one of yeah, the all countless life is dead, right? All life is dead. Scorched earth. <laughs> black black screen. Everything you just described happens in the last five or six minutes of the movie. Uh, and then it just goes black and then it goes in one of the countless billions of galaxies in the universe lies a medium sized star, and one of its satellites, a green and insignificant planet, is now dead. <laughs> just the like end. yeah, Poochie nails it. Yeah, like I have to return to my home planet. The end. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's worth it's worth um, watching just to just to see how abrupt it is because it 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 definitely feels like it came out of nowhere and it feels like the writers got to uh, a point in the movie and then just gave up. I mean, they gave up much earlier than that in the movie. Let's <laughs> yeah, be fair. Maybe it reminds me of how I would end a story if I just if I, you know if you ever written something where you just like you start to get bored of it and you're just like I just want to get to the end of this and then everyone <laughs> dies at the end yeah. I, yeah I'm an improviser I know plenty about just being like this needs to end now <laughs> boom, boom it's done <laughs> it was definitely weird and, and you know not only that um, did it not show like the like the Panavision logo or something like that right right after the yeah the the credits start rolling with yeah. no ceremony yeah 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 <laughs> like that's that was the thing that really kind of threw me off and like I know this is this is looking at movies from modern context but you usually don't see those logos until the very end of the film and I was like I was like wait is this are they not even going to roll credits it's just like the earth is now dead goodbye yeah <laughs> stamp it sign seal delivered let's go <laughs> now i haven't seen the next movie after this uh do they is it a prequel i or don't they... know mm-hmm. I guess we'll let's uh let's look that up that over the break the and then uh we'll come back after our uh, word from our sponsors and be like i paris that the mo- third movie does take place on a scorched earth Taproot publishes weekly roundups on a variety of topics, including media, food, tech, health innovation, arts, music, regional news, business, and city council. Taproot's curators gather up the headlines and happenings on these files and deliver them directly to your inbox. You can get one or two for free. If you want more, become a Taproot member, then you can get as many as you want, plus other perks for just $10 a month or $100 a year. Get more information right now at taprootedmonton.ca. Welcome back, everyone, to I Have Some Notes. We're discussing 1970s Beneath the Planet of the Apes. and uh, Again. Again, yes. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we uh, had some technical difficulties, so while well, this is obviously uh, the first you are hearing of us come back from break, this will be our sort of second crack at uh, discussing our fixes <laughs> for this movie because we uh, lost the second yeah. half of this recording. Good thing well, we do we, it in two parts. we is an interesting word. Team Greg lost <laughs> the recording. Hey, we, we, we sink or swim as a team here on I Have Some Notes. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, now, before we had gone into break the first time, uh, we had kind of queued up looking at what the sequel to a movie where everything on Earth dies uh, mm-hmm. could possibly be. And uh, it turns out that it is Escape from the Planet of the Apes. 
And uh, it follows the adventures of Cornelius and Zira as they escape from the planet before it is obliterated and end up accidentally traveling back in time to the 1970s. And uh, absolutely nothing terrible happens to them. Guaranteed. (laughs) Just a feel-good movie for the ages. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They make it back and have a family, um, you know, and and, and become wildly successful lawyers and, and, and teachers. Yeah. Uh, For the record, I would watch a movie where Cornelius becomes a wildly successful 1970s lawyer. (laughs) I'm I'm picturing that, and it's amusing me in every possible way. Yeah, with the like the the sort of like um, Wall Street, like the pinstripe um, pinstripe. Oh yeah, no, more 80s, but yeah, like pinstripe shirt with the suspenders. Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah. His hair slicked back. Yeah. You know, it's funny because your honor that, that. the, the Your Honor, I'm a Cornelius. Sorry, go ahead. You're about to make your, a joke, and I'm interrupting. Go ahead. Your Honor, I might be a simple country ape. <laughs> I actually thought that the uh, the set that they were on uh, when uh, when you see Cornelius and Zira's home really looked like uh, a a sitcom set. Mm-hmm. Did well, it they- did it feel super super setty to you? Kinda, it, yeah. They, they do look very setty, uh, setty like they like their sets because uh, again, I, I like to look up the trivia. Lay on this, Sonya. Um, the a lot of the sets were repurposed from other things. The set of the mutants' council chamber are redressed sets from Hello Dolly. Huh. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't huh. doubt that Zira's house is probably just like some other backlot house redressed to be you know ape decorations. Yeah. No, that makes sense. You know, there's not as many matte paintings in this movie as I would have expected. I actually found myself being a little nostalgic watching the movie a bit just because there were so many, like, you know, good physical sets for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought the the spaceship crash set was nice. The the um, the dilapidated uh, subway set was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the, uh, Ape, the post-apocalyptic sets look good. Yeah, Ape City looks pretty good what you see of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, like it's... There's something to be said about the lost art of practical effects uh, as we move more and more towards digital effects. And I would agree. And it's kind of telling... I don't remember if we touched on this in the first half or touched on this in the original version of the second half that was lost to time. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about the ape masks and that's kind of part of it too because the ape masks still look pretty decent despite the passage of time in a way that a lot of CGI, even from five years ago, just doesn't hold up anymore. And again, that's just, and I've been an advocate for it on previous episodes of this show. There's something about practical effects that is lasting and physical and tangible that CGI just hasn't been able to quite nail yet. And I'm, I'm flying for more practical effects. Bring me more eight masks. Yeah, I'd I'd agree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's interesting when when you see um, practical masks being done now when they're, you know, um, like in Star Trek Discovery and stuff like that. Like when they do them practically, they look they, they look super good with the with uh, all the advancements that they've been able to make over the time, you know, and uh, and even some of the Star Wars ones from like The Force Awakens and things like that. Some of the practical stuff looks amazing yeah yeah and it's just like you know the the real the real trouble with um, most digital effects right now is that um 
there's there's so much left to be decided by the artist and and most a lot of shots look really overproduced you know everything's just you know adjusted just so um and there's kind of a a tendency to just um get the 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 richest coolest uh you know colors that you can possibly imagine and um it it almost looks like it almost looks like an assault on my eyes sometimes some of these some of these shots like when you know when a when a really well just nicely exposed shot on film to me uh, t- sometimes it just tends to look uh, more appealing. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, I'm uh, I'm excited to discuss how we're going to fix this because we uh, we have the privilege of hindsight. Uh, we've also sort of shared our thoughts already. Uh, so I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to sort of share with our audience uh, what we what we think we can do to fix this movie, which uh, is a whole hell of a lot. There's all the the the, the, the this movie is rich with premise and concept. Uh, and there's so little going on, it has so little to say, uh, and so little happens, that uh, really it's an uh, uh, open open season. Um, yeah. We we kind of went through several iterations, and the, the, the first iteration, and I, I believe, was proposed by me, which was um, to um, jettison uh, Taylor's character completely and have Brent... Uh, land on the on the planet safely um, as a you know either a reconnaissance mission or a rescue mission looking for Taylor um, and him you know we we talked about uh, how you know if he lands safely on the on the planet he's got an escape route so that makes sort of the ending a little bit more interesting because there's a bomb that's about to about to explode and there's a, a way for for uh, for people to escape um, I propose that uh, that um, you know t- uh, we get the short re- um, version of the original movie. Brent learns about the planet of the apes. He's quickly overcome by them. He's captured by then. And then he is rescued by a um, much more uh, intelligent and um, um, actionable uh, uh, Nova, um, who has become somewhat of a, uh, a leader of her tribe. Yeah. Nova and, being uh, the, the, the he- sort of cavewoman lady uh, that, that yeah. was following yeah and the and the and the humans have done exactly what uh the apes feared in the in the first movie which is have uh become a much more intelligent uh and and begun fighting back so that was version one that was one of the versions which also i believe is where we we'd also point i think i pointed out that there nova has no agency through this whole movie she's just do nothing yeah uh, has no no voice, no concept. She's just there to be pulled around and dragged to the point where even there is a scene where um, they break out of the prison. One of the guys has a has a spiked club, uh, and there's two spiked clubs on the wall. The other guy grabs one of the spiked clubs. Then I'm like, oh, she's gonna take the third one. Nope, he Charles Nelson just grabs her and pulls her close, and I'm like, it's right there. There's a, and then seconds later she dies. Um, but like, it's a it's a spiked club. Like she's a she's a barbarian lady. That's her whole. This might be the one time she's actually useful and capable. Yeah. Give her the damn spiked club, and it was on the wall. Anyway, yep. That yeah. de- that death is especially tragic to me. Uh, in in that it is not tragic at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's tragic from a writing perspective because like she. 
uh, she has her character has got so little going for her that like her death is completely meaningless when it happens. Yeah, it 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 strikes pretty flat. No, and uh, it uh, kind of comes out it, of nowhere too. Yeah, yeah, like most yeah. of the ending. <laughs> and Brent's Brett's death is the same way. And they all do, they all die like chumps. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and so you, your yeah your premise. Uh, Greg involved Brent, but Scott, yours was more Taylor-based. Yeah, so the pitch that I have jettisons Brent altogether because he's basically just the replacement Taylor for the movie where they couldn't get Taylor for very much. Uh, And so he has to relive the first story over again in one act. And that's kind of what brings down this movie a little bit. So I think we just get rid of him. We follow Taylor directly off the heels of the first one and have him fall in with the super advanced humans from beneath the planet of the apes earlier on. And at first they seem like this idyllic, uh, advanced, enlightened human race. They believe in peace and he's kind of, he buys into it. He's like, Oh, fine. Like I found other real humans. Uh, I can, get with these people. I can finally make a real fresh start. And then slowly the facade peels away literally and figuratively as they reveal that they are hideous mutants underneath. And, um, he begins to realize that they're actually terrible. They're actually the real monsters. And we still set up the conflict between them and the apes because back in ape city, cause we can still follow Cornelius and Zira and Dr. Zaius. Cause they're familiar characters to us from the first movie. Uh, the gorillas are concerned that Taylor's going to basically cause the humans to rise up. He's going to teach them and they're going to become a threat. So they go to find him and in searching for him, they come across this hidden advanced human civilization and they realize, Oh, there, this is a problem. We need to kill all humans. And so there's still going to be a conflict and it ultimately comes down to uh, Taylor having to choose in the end to side with the apes, realizing that they're the, uh, they're the better choice. They're the lesser evil. They're actually the more peaceful society than even these humans, because they're a throwback to the humans that destroyed the planet. They're worshiping a nuclear bomb. Um, and, and that's kind of the twist that we lead up to in this movie. And if we still need to lead into Escape from the Planet of the Apes, then we can still blow up the planet. And if we're running on the premise that any future sequels will be based off of the movie that we're writing now, then we can explore some different premise that way. But uh, that that's basically my pitch in a nutshell. Yeah. And I, th- I think I liked yours better when I heard it. I think we, we came uh, same... Same ends, different means, uh, and I think yours is a little uh, uh, quicker and a little s- smoother. Um, so I would, if we have to, if we have to put a plant uh, flag on one of these, I'm, I'm going to vote for Scott's. But my mine uh, <laughs> sort of, uh, I, we had the same problem, Scott, in that that whole first third of the movie, they're just rehashing the first ones, uh, all the same things yeah. that uh, uh, Brent has to learn. He has to learn all the same things Taylor had to learn in the first one. So yeah. it just happens really fast. He needs to, he needs to get to the same place Taylor is at the beginning of the second movie and he needs to get there fast enough that they can have the rest of the movie. Exactly. And, and that it yeah. doesn't need to happen that way. So my, my version of it, if they're going to, if they're going to have, um, bunker dwelling, uh, radiation mutants at all, I actually think you could just cut them all together and just have the barbarian humans and, and, and look at the dichotomy between that relationship, the humans and the apes that we've already met. But if you're gotta have doomsday worshiping bunker guys, 
uh, I would have those be who Brent meets first before any humans. Uh, sorry, not before, before any before any apes. Maybe he meets Nova. Maybe she's got Taylor's dog tags. Um, and they find themselves with this thing. And the first experience he has is the other side of this coin, these hyper-intelligent mutant guys. Uh, and the first time he actually meets apes, uh, maybe even Taylor, is when they storm the castle. Uh, so that you can spend... by, by Basically, just bumping the second act into the first act and the third act into the second, you can spend the third act exploring themes the way the first one did, <laughs> uh, <laughs> talking about the ideas that this movie presents, things like mutually assured destruction. Uh, there's a thing in the first movie where, like, Dr. Zaius knew all along that there was an ancient race of humans who wiped themselves out. I think it'd be interesting if, like, all of these radiation mutants don't realize what they're worshiping except one of them you know and then there can be some sort of parallels um yeah that's that was sort of my pitch was just like have anything to say and use the territory explored in the first one to do that yeah this one isn't subtle with its themes and it's actually kind of clumsy and heavy-handed and tacked uh, as on. opposed to the first one yeah um but we'd also kind of hit upon yeah. we'd also kind of hit upon a bit of a hybrid where uh, we do still, rather than having the subterranean, super advanced psychic humans, we kind of focus in on, it's been a few years, Taylor has become a leader of the humans, but they are still worshipping a nuclear bomb, and he's kind of become their god prophet or whatever. And it was something that Greg had kind of pitched at the, yeah. At yeah, the end think, of the last round. I think when we, when, we, when we started to talk about this version, it ended up, <clears throat> it ended up being my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um I just I, I envisioned a scene where Brent is is being um, brought to the um, uh, uh, tribal humans, um, you know, place of worship. There, there's some sort of cave or something like that, and um, you know, he's 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 brought in, and there's a, a reveal that they are are worship. Everyone is worshiping a active nuclear bomb, and and that it is it is at that point that we meet um, Taylor, who has who is old. He's he's much older now. He's kind of lost it a bit after you know after um, uh, uh, learning that the the his world was destroyed and 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 humans destroyed themselves it uh, it uh, crushed him uh, mentally and uh, uh, the only way he could deal with it really was to to become the thing that he was uh, he he uh, was so angry at he you know and he ends up becoming the guy that that is uh, worshiping uh, this nuclear bomb, so he is he becomes the the sort of religious leader, and I like I like that because it, it you know it, it reverses Taylor's role completely, where he becomes a villain, um, but it also gives um, Brent um, a clear mirror, like two people that came from relatively the same time period in Earth's history, uh, and you know um, you know one person has. Um, it, you know, becomes the villain. The other is the the protagonist, kind of thing. So, yeah, because they're very I, the I like same that character. version quite a bit. They're very much the hmm? same character, and and yeah, and, and they need differences. Different. Yeah, yeah, I like the idea of seeing like an old, old, old uh, Taylor just like kicking around or whatever. I guess that kind of means well. 
Um, I guess that, that would mean Nova would be quite a bit older too, but that, that gives her a lot of time to like become a leader of her tribe yeah. and stuff like that. So it makes yeah. a lot more sense too. And, yeah. and, and the ability that they you know, I want to build, I would like to build a lot more agency into her character. Right. I like the idea of her just showing up and, and saving Brent from the, uh, like a big old badass coming yeah, like, in and, and saving her from the babes. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. And it would co- also show energy. Uh, an evolution of her character too. Yeah. For people who'd who'd seen the first movie, having Nova ride in and save the day and and be super competent and maybe even yeah. be able to speak a little, it would be like, oh, okay, things have yeah. things have happened. It's so disappointing that the movie didn't do that at all. Like, there's no evolution of her character. There's no evolution remotely. of anyone's. Aside character, Aside from the really. fact that, like, at one point she says a word, like, oh, hooray. Yeah, that's and amazing. Then promptly dies. Yeah. Yeah. Taylor! Stupid. Yeah. She grunts out Taylor, and that's supposed to mean something. But none of the characters have have meaningful arcs, really. Like, nope. no. It's even think all the all the um, all the mutant humans at the end they they kill themselves or get gunned down by apes before they can learn the folly of their ways, and all the apes yep. nuke themselves by accident before they can learn their folly of their ways. Um, yep. Yeah. Nobody learns anything, and everyone <laughs> dies. The end. Yeah. Yes. A depressing movie for our depressing times. <laughs> yeah, really. Probably I, actually, a, probably a very true to life sort of ending, though. Yeah. Nobody learns anything and everyone dies. <laughs> yeah, I still can't yeah. get over the last line of that movie. That. <laughs> well, uh, we've also got some great listener comments as well. Thank you, everyone who contributed. If you want to uh, comment on any of our upcoming episodes, we always uh, post something on our Facebook and Twitter a couple days before we record, so you can go ahead and get in on the note having yourself uh this uh, all of our quotes today uh were in response to a tweet we asked our listeners to tell us which version of planet of the of the apes is their favorite and why it isn't the tim burton one uh, i'm actually gonna start with jeff sampson now uh just because it was in re- direct relation to the uh, tim burton one uh, jeff, jeff sampson now says oh why you gotta hate on the first reboot like that all of these movies reboots are great, and I can remember watching the 70s ones over and over when they were always on some cable channel or another. I think the original is probably still the best because of the twist. Yeah, because the, the Tim Burton twist is dumb. <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely weird. I don't remember that very well, to be honest. Like I know I've seen that movie, but... It like, was like, the, the, like Caesar, if I recall correctly... Um, Caesar is in the planet of the ape time and then he goes back in time and he lands on like present day earth and it's like that he sees Caesar's statue right yeah the Lincoln Memorial is Caesar for some reason yeah and then all the all, all the cop cars pull up and they're all apes and yep. you're just like and you like and you're like what <laughs> like, yeah. right 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 oh my god it all just came rushing back to me um I mean, credit credit to uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, but I remember it much more. Like, I remember seeing Planet of the Apes and having the imagery stick way more than the Burton one. So, uh, yeah. Chris says, uh, Beneath is crazy, but I love Conquest. It's got con and terrific, grimy, 70, 70s sci fi dystopian vibe. I think Ricardo Montalban is. Uh, I think the fact that Ricardo Montalban is in two of the Planet of the Apes movies should be more widely known. Uh, yeah. Uh,. In our first pass, I had mentioned that the late, great Ricardo Montalban should be in every movie, and I'm going to repeat it here in this second pass on the recording, <laughs> because it is a fact that deserves a restating. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, if you think about the movie that everybody knows 
Ricardo Montalban from, or at least most sci-fi fans do, you know, his The Wrath of Khan, like, he's he's really not in that movie that much. Like, his screen time is measured, I think, in the single digits. And, but, like, he's so, he's just so good yeah. that he he makes that movie. He's one of those actors who's uh, able to put on a show that's larger than life. And uh, it's it's uh, good to see him in more movies, and it would be great to see him in even more movies. Seek out more of Ricardo Montalban's films. That's where I'm basically going with that. Yeah. Nathan Martin says, okay, I've seen this one, but it's been ages. I remember it was less ape and more cult, I think. Thinky face, sort of in quotes. Anyway, my favorite was the most recent trilogy. I really enjoyed the last two more than the first. Uh, there's no rock in it, but the rock was in Rampage, which had an ape. An important <laughs> distinction. That is a fact. Great. Nathan, thank you. <laughs> I I um, really I really enjoyed the the Matt Reeves trilogy. Uh, I think there I think it might be you you could probably make an argument in terms of quality of movie. It it might be the the best trilogy we've had since. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the original Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, I have to um, check them out. I haven't seen them. To the point of uh, beneath the Planet of the Apes, I don't know that I agree that it's more cult and less ape because we spend a lot of time rehashing the first movie. I think it also speaks yeah. speaks to what you remember from it, right? Because I, yeah, like I was fair. saying, I remember seeing this as a kid, and I, I visit visually like vividly is the word i'm looking for remember like the imagery of the the the, um the bomb and the cultists yeah you're probably gonna remember that stuff a little bit more just because it uh it's it's the wilder imagery in the movie well and also it's it's not forgettably rehashing the first movie right and what's although you do get to see remember uh i don't remember the the ending being as ridiculous as it is like all you know just coming to a grinding halt in five minutes. Um, but I do remember a sense of whiplash, like watching this movie and being like, wait, what, what, where, like, and, and, and not, and being very confused. Like it's the, yeah. the memory I have of the, the bomb imagery is also being very confused by this movie and not have fully tracked it. Anyway, this is just my yeah. weird dissonant memories of watching media as a child. Evan how, McDonald. Is, <laughs> how is the one thing, how is the one thing that you remember from this movie, not the scene where two sweaty apes are sitting in a sauna having a conversation. Yeah, right? yeah we were thinking about oh. how hot those they must have been in those suits. That would be crazy. <laughs> yeah, let's get like we're like, how about you get in these two fully furred up ape suits, put this heavy hot mask on, and then we're gonna put you on an enclosed set with lights everywhere, <laughs> and then we're gonna have steam machines everywhere. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. if those people didn't just like they probably had to stop the cameras quite frequently uh to uh make sure that they didn't pass out yeah that was a wild scene uh evan mcdonald says uh my favorites in the series are definitely escape and dawn beneath is so buck wild glad y'all are doing it oh, oh we did it you're welcome we did we it multiple did it times indeed. yeah <laughs> did it multiple times yeah <laughs> there's nothing left to be said on beneath the planet of the apes uh but no, I'm glad we did. I'm glad we like to diversify and find different uh, sort of uh, eras and things of movies to do. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it gets uh, it gets a little boring watching the uh, the same uh, the same mediocre uh, 2010s movies that we that we do. It's uh, you need something to break it up. 
hmm, I wonder what movie we'll be doing next. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll mention it here just as we uh, uh, close it out. Actually, no, screw it. We'll mention it now. Uh, we're actually going to be moving to a once-a-week release schedule because uh, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I have nowhere to be, nowhere to go, and I'm watching a lot of movies uh, yeah. uh, in uh, in my towel, or as I like to call it, the lounger's <laughs> sarong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think if if anything else, we just need something uh, to talk about that's not you know uh, a virus related. I just <laughs> I just want to about talk about talk about something fun with people, and yeah. so yeah, the, the the idea was struck to to like hey, why don't we just increase our frequency? We got yeah. lots of time to do it. Yeah, worst case scenario, yeah. we have some in the can. Well, uh, nevertheless, uh, thank you for uh, listening. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at I Have Some Notes. You can find our podcast feed at IHaveSomeNotes.com. If you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really helps us out. You can find all of our episodes on the CKUA radio app. Download it from the Apple App Store. Remember to check out all of our sibling podcasts over on the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. We post new episodes every week starting next week uh so also you can uh, comment right away as well uh so tune in one week from now when we do ready player one. Oh boy Ooh. apparently it is problematic so yeah Good it's, times. it's it's a weird and, one uh, thank you to uh to deja for that suggestion yes or uh, not thank you i guess we'll see next week <laughs> yeah depends I'm, on uh, how terrible it is i think it's actually the first time we've uh, done a movie that i had already seen um, before before uh, recording, so I'm sort of excited to, to go at it with a second a second view. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I find those are a little bit easier when you've been able to see them a few times. You sometimes I've already got ideas in my head about what I want oh to yeah. do with big time. Well, uh, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Of course, uh, stay safe and stay home. Uh, but I'm sure you've uh, if, you, if, we, if you're hearing that message for the first time from me, you've got bigger problems. Uh, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you very much. I've been your host Liam Kresak. I'm Greg Beaver. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. Keep watching the skies. Four nuclear doomsday bombs. This episode is brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And guess what? So are we. And who are we? Well, I'm Josh. And I'm Alan. And we're pressed to join. We have a weekly podcast bringing you current events from everything from gaming to comics to technology, security, all that fun stuff. And every episode we bring you a recommendation for something we think you might like, and uh, we've got a special Bad Descriptions game that we're playing every week now that Josh hosts. Yeah, new for 2019, I've written a whole bunch of bad descriptions of things that seemingly makes no sense, but once you know what it's to, it's painfully obvious. And then at the end of every month we do a deep dive into the history of a gaming company, franchise, or just even technology. We've done arcade cabinets one time. Popular things like Mario, and then things you don't know about, like Earth Defense Force. You can check us out at psjshow.com, albertapodcastnetwork.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So as always, thank you all very much for listening. And thanks for pressing start. Pressing start.